Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Verse 13, it says, The land on which you lie I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God is emphatic. He is here to comfort Jacob. He's like, I will do all of these things. He doesn't say anything for Jacob to do. He's not like, if you do these things, then I'll do it. God's like, I am, I'm doing all these things, and I will finish this work. It reminds me of, is it Colossians? That he who, he who begun a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. He will finish the work within us. So he confirms here to Jacob that he indeed will be the heir to Abraham's covenant. That he will continue the covenant. He's going to possess the land. He's going to uh, have his, um, his offspring become a great nation. This nation will in turn bless many nations, will bless the world. This is the Abrahamic covenant that he's confirming. Now, some believe, if you, if you read a lot of commentators, a lot of them actually believe, up until this point, Jacob was an unbeliever. And they say this because prior to this chapter, he's called God the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, the God of his fathers. And only until this chapter does he call God his God. However, I, th- I think people are a little hard on Jacob and I think nowhere is it explicit in the text that he wasn't a believer. In fact, the text suggests, with how God treats Jacob here, the text suggests otherwise, that Jacob was a man of faith. And I think it's more likely that Jacob did have faith. He had faith in the, what he knew of God. He knew that God was the God of his fathers, and so this is the God he had faith in. He knew a lot about the Lord. He knew the story of the garden in the fall. He knew the promise of the seed of the woman who would come and save them from sin. He knew that this seed would, would come through Abraham's lineage, through Isaac's lineage, and now through his lineage. And he also knew that this specific God revealed himself to Abraham and to Isaac Therefore, he knew this God as the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, the God of his fathers. So it wasn't that he didn't have faith, but this was what he knew of God. But it's here that he experiences God personally for himself, where his faith really becomes personal, where the God of Abraham and Isaac becomes the God of Jacob as well. And guys, I I hope, I pray that you guys have experienced a moment like this, or that you do if you haven't already. Like a lot of you guys, you've read the Bible, you have Christian friends, you have Christian parents or whatever, and you've seen the gospel at work in their life, but then there's a moment, guys, when God speaks it directly to you. Like there's a moment where all of a sudden the church noise and the church rhetoric turns into the word and the voice of God. What you're so used to hearing all of a sudden turns into a live voice speaking to you. It's almost like a hand pops out of the Bible and pokes you in the chest, and says, this is for you. And God says, I'm talking to you. 
John 3.16, you probably read it, you could probably, everyone in here could probably memorize, or most of us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You might have read that, and you heard that a bunch of times, and you might have intellectually received it and believed it. You might affirm it and have faith in that. But then there's that time when you're sitting down, and God speaks it to you, that this love is for you. That when it says God so loved the world, it means God loved you. It means God gave his most prized possession to be brutally beaten and tortured on a cross because of his love for you. That this is Jesus' body and blood, as Jesus said, given for you. There's a difference. When you, when you have that moment with God and he confirms, he touches your heart and you understand his love for you is true. His love for you is real. The promise of eternal life belongs to you. And many of you know what I'm talking about. You've had those moments with the Lord. And if you haven't, I hope and pray. In fact, if you haven't, may this be one of those moments. I am, I am affirming to you now that God loves you. That God has died for you on a cross. God has made available the hope of eternal life for you. And this hope belongs to you if you would receive it. It's yours. Now tell me, what, what, what could this world out there possibly offer that's better than that? Nothing. You have everything you need in Christ. Verse 16. It says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So Jacob's just blown away by this amazing revelation. But his initial interpretation falls a bit short of what was actually being revealed here, right? Now, of course, we're, we're ones to talk. We, we live in an age where we can look back. We have all the answers, right? We've, we've been given the answers book. We know Jesus is the fulfillment of the latter. We know this is speaking of eternal life, spiritual things more than just a physical nation so we can kind of turn our nose up at Jacob like I think you're a little off there Jacob but what I love about this is Jacob didn't have to fully understand to receive these promises right he didn't have to fully get what was happening to be able to receive it Jacob's just like wow this that was cool this must be where God lives yeah there's his back porch and it's probably his back door, and I mean, I, I probably would have picked somewhere a little more coastal, but that's just me. I, got, I guess God could live wherever he wants. And that's what, he's kind of just thinking the here and now, and he's missing the big picture, but he didn't have to get the big picture to receive the promises of God. In fact, guys, a lot of the prophets of the Old Testament didn't fully understand what they were seeing and writing down. First Peter tells us that. And I, I just want to say that this is... Affirm, affirmation to us that we don't need to get the whole picture. We don't need to understand everything for us to receive the promises of God. And I hope that brings you comfort. Like, you don't need to get it all. You don't have to wrap your mind around God and, and free will and God's sovereignty and, you know, understand it all in order to be saved. It's the simple gospel that saves you. And I, I love that about God. He's faithful. It's important to grow in our understanding of theology, biblical doctrine, but we're never going to understand it completely, although some people pretend that they do, right? Um, that's okay. that they can, they can pretend. But I just want to say, let's extend some grace. 
to each other. Like, none of us have arrived. None of us have figured it out fully. Jacob had no idea the extent of what God was showing him here, and it didn't matter. The brand new Christian is just as saved and just as holy as the 50-year veteran. Okay, so let's chill out a little bit and give each other some grace. Some grace to grow, amen? Verse 18. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on, the t- on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, which means house of God. But the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if, or since, rather, God will be with me and, I will, and will keep me in this way that I go, I will give and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And God's all, oh, Jake, that's okay, buddy. I, I don't need that little rock to be my house. It's cute. The Bible says that the heavens are earth, God's throne and the earth is his footstool. And Jacob's like, and, and God, this rock can be your house. And I'll come and visit you here. And God's like, that's cute, buddy, but I don't, I don't need that. He said, so he sets up the stone. He says, this shall be God's house. And he says, and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So as Jacob's processing these promises, this experience with God, he responds in worship and in giving. Now, a lot of commentators, again, they throw Jacob under the bus and they're saying, they say, he's bargaining with God. God promised to give him something and he's saying, well, if you will, God, if, if you prove to me all these things, then maybe I will. But again, I, I want to offer maybe the other perspective, the other side of that, that Jacob believed right away. And that he responds with worship and with a vow to give because of God's promises. And I want to tell you guys, that is the healthy way to respond to God. Here at Ignition, we like to teach, as I said before, the six practices of a disciple. Worship, read, pray, serve, give, and commune. We do these six things not to earn God's promises or earn God's approval. We do them because we have God's promises. Because we have God's approval. Because that is the way we grow in Christ. They're not to be done to receive. They're done because we've already received. And the first thing he does is he sets up a pillar. He takes his rock and he says, I'm going to set up a memorial, a pillar to worship the living God. This is called an Ebenezer. Do you guys know that old-fashioned version of Come Thou Fount? Where it says, here I raise my Ebenezer. This is what that's talking about. Setting a monument to God saying, God did something great here. God did something great in my life and I want to commemorate it. I want to remember it and I want generations to come to know what he did here. This is a form of worship, an act of worship that Jacob is doing here. And it's so important, guys, that as we respond to God's salvation, as we respond, as we understand what God has done for us, that we would express it in some outward form of worship that other people can see. That it would be in some way that our children can see. That the people around us can see. I don't know if you realize that, but when we gather together and we sing songs, it's not just like a Christian concert before a teaching to warm you up. It's an opportunity for y'all to worship. For all of you guys to raise your hands and to raise your voices and to proclaim the truths of the lyrics that, we are, that we're reading and we're calling out, that we're singing it out to the Lord. That you would be a man or woman that worships God as a response to what God has done. 
And then secondly, he vows to give to the Lord. He wants to give of his monetary possessions as a response to God's goodness and God's grace. He calls it a tithe here. A tithe just means 10%. And it's actually not a new covenant thing. The tithe, it wasn't even mandated for Jacob. Abraham gives a tithe to Melchizedek a few chapters earlier. No doubt Jacob would have known about that. But the tithe isn't mandated in the law till years and years later. But here Jacob is responding, just desiring to give to God. And he just picks a tenth because that's a good place to start. But the new covenant, guys, there's no such requirement that you have to give 10% of everything. In fact, in the new covenant, it says the requirement is that you give generously. That could be more than 10%. The requirement is that you give cheerfully. That you purpose in your heart what you will give, and you give it cheerfully unto the Lord. But there is no actual Christian you have to give 10%. It's just a good place to start. But I love, I love what Elizabeth Elliot said about giving. She said that you can give without loving. You can. And a lot of people do, right? You can, you can give to somebody begrudgingly. You can, you can give even to the work of the ministry like, oh, wow, whatever, I just feel obligated here. You can give without loving. She said, but you cannot love without giving. You cannot love without giving. When you love somebody, you sacrifice for them. You give for them. You buy things for them. You, you give of your time and your treasure and your talent to them. And the same is true for God. When you truly love God, you will take the things you value in life and you will devote them to Him. And again, this, doesn't, this, this is, is includes but is not limited to your money, your monetary income. And the reason why I hammer money isn't because I want your money. Right? I'm not asking. We don't actually take tithes at Ignition. But it's been said, guys, if you want to see where a person's heart is, look at their bank statement. And it's so true. You want to see what someone really values in life? Look at what they're spending their money on. And if you were to look at my bank statement, you would know that I value burritos. You would. <laughs> Potosinos, Los Betos, Los Betos, Diego's. It's like, okay, all right, Sean likes burritos. But hopefully you would also see that I value the kingdom of God as I give, as I give financially to the kingdom as well. Uh, giving is a part of worship. It's a response to worshiping God, guys. Jacob says, when people look at me and they see me in my, what I do with my riches, I want, them, I want it to be noticeable that I honor God with my riches, that I honor God with my cattle and my money and all that I have. That was Jacob's heart. He wanted to really give back to God out of a response. So in closing, guys, we've looked at these ways in which we can grow in our faith, right? As we step out of our support system, maybe leave our family, as we um, get out of our comfort zone. These are ways in which we can come into a faith of our own and really strengthen our faith. But I want to say, I want to end by saying, you don't have to do either of those things or any of those things to have your own faith. You don't. You don't have to go on some pilgrimage to find Jesus because He's here right now. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What He meant by that is it's near to you. It's in arm's length. It's like it's right here within your midst. Romans tells us it's as simple as confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, believing that Jesus is who He said He is, the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
the Savior of the world, and more importantly, your Savior. It's as, as simple as believing that and receiving that. And if you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ tonight, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you'd like your very own faith, I'm going to give you a chance to, to have that and to have a relationship with Jesus Christ as we close things out. So let's all stand and let's pray together. And Father, as we look to Jacob's example and your pursuit of Jacob, God, leading him out, Lord, drawing him out in order to meet him in a special way, Lord, we desire that too. Lord, we want to know you. We want to go deeper with you. Lord, if you desire us to step out of our comfort zones, please communicate to us. Show us where we would go. Lord, we ask that you would have your hand upon us that we would not settle into complacency, that we would not be those who resist the call of God to step out, but we would be those who would hear and heed that call. And Lord, I pray for those who are listening to this who perhaps have never received You as their Savior, that they would have the courage to invite You into their life right now, Lord. And I believe right now, Lord, You're, you're working on their hearts. Lord, Your Word says that no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws them. And I believe You are drawing some to Yourself now, God. And I pray that they would have the courage to receive you and to respond to that call. And if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior for the first time, I want to give you an opportunity to do so. And it's so important that as faith is being birthed in your heart right now, as God is working and the Holy Spirit is working in your heart right now, it's important that it affects the here and now, the physical. It affects your outside, your body. And so the way in which I want to give you to respond, to, to reach out in faith as a point of faith, is just asking you to raise your hand. If you would like to receive Jesus for the first time, if you feel God is calling you into His kingdom and you want a faith of your own, simply raise your hand right now. Just raise it up. And if you're watching on Facebook or you're listening to this down the road on Reach Radio or the podcast, you can do this right now where you're at as well. Receive Jesus Christ. Well, Father, we do devote ourselves to You, Lord God, as Your children. Lord, we pray that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. We pray that we would represent You in such a way that others can see, Lord, that we would trust You with our finances. We would trust You with our time, our treasure, our talent. Lord, and that we would be those who worship You, unashamed to celebrate You, Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for listening. If you're hearing this and you'd like to give your life to the Lord now, I invite you to take the next step. Text the words, Ready for Jesus, to 94000, and we can follow up with you. One of our leaders will be able to contact you and get you some free resources to help you grow in the faith. We invite you to come out to our in-person services every Thursday evening at Calvary Tucson's East Campus in the coffee shop area. We meet at 6.30 p.m. for coffee, and our service starts at 7 p.m. In the meantime, keep reading, keep praying, and keep worshiping. God bless you.